Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. You show up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's always like, Hey, hey what's up, man? I thought you'd be dead after last yeah. night. Nope, still here. New little hair on the dog. I mean, let's try and keep yeah. things official, but if you've got if you've got a product you want to have kind of out there in the blogosphere, get a hold of us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you find us, wherever you found at us. Drunkenomical. At Drunkenomical. Just go ahead and contact us. Send us the product. We will fuel an episode on it. Yes, we will fuel an entire episode. The entire episode, we will use your product to get ourselves to that Drunkenomical yeah. state. <clears throat> Mictors, if you're listening. <laughs> Keep in mind, we're also bartenders, so we're not just we're not just two people hounding yeah. the booze. But I would also like to say that I I think I know what I'm talking about. I, I sound really arrogant when I say that, but when it comes to when it comes to whiskey, I don't want to say anything else. When it comes to whiskey, I know what I'm talking about. I, you know, any other form of alcohol, I don't I don't really. Did you know that over five trillion dollars exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over two hundred and twenty billion dollars an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day, and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders, who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business, are going to sit down and drink to the global economy, and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. Oh man! All right, there's my Irish whiskey, uh, my Irish whiskey chaser. Welcome back to Drunkenomics, everybody. I just poured myself a little Irish whiskey chaser. I don't know if you heard, but before we start this episode, the drill is two shots before the mic is hot. This is Drunkenomics, a podcast where two guys who like to drink and talk about the economy—you guessed it—drink and talk about the economy for better or for worse. Better or worse. I'm only one shot in it right now, so we have a righteous bloke, Max. Max, my dude, Max on Twitter. Oh, he can't be a righteous bloke though. A righteous bloke is Tim. I don't know. Oh, what should we call him? Calm. Our British brother, I guess. Yeah. So Max can be our British brother. So a fan of ours on Twitter apparently said we should do oil spill shots today in honor of oil reaching negative 37 and a half dollars. At the trough, yeah. yeah. At, the, at the lowest. Yeah, so here I am. I know we're taking a long time to get started, but I'm on tipsybartender.com or whatever that website is. And... Uh, you know, I went out and I got some blue curacao, some Goldschlager, and some Jaeger. I'm not looking forward to this. I shook it up before. I'm sorry I didn't ha- I didn't shake it up in front of the mic to ha- have the sound effect, but I shook it up before, and there's so much more alcohol in this than I ever thought there would be. This is a really full class. I'm kind of concerned about what's about to happen. I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm not looking forward to this, but Max, for you, cheers. cheers. All right, here we go. Uh, Oh man! I have had worse times. That Jaeger just—why? Why the blue? Yeah, I don't. I don't oh, get I, it. Hold on, I need to chase that down with this Irish. Yeah, whiskey. let's. Oh god, it's still that ruined the Irish whiskey. But it's gonna get better. Yeah, that's what I did for you, Max. Yeah, you know, the problem is if there was an oil spill, <laughs> it would be better for oil right now because there'd be less going into the fucking supply. <laughs> there'd be less inventory. Oh my god. <laughs> I just realized that. No, but seriously, Max, cheers, man. I appreciate you uh, supporting us on Twitter. I've been stalking you a little bit. I'm not trying to be a creep or whatever. That You know that song by Radiohead and Stunt of Apollos? I'm not trying to be a creep. But, uh, dude, London School of Economics, man. Seriously. Someone from the London School of Economics appreciates our podcast. So, obviously, we're not as stupid as I thought we were. But that also could mean we're even stupider than that. It's totally possible that we've gone the other way. He thinks we're idiots. And, <laughs> and he's just like, look at these guys. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> but anyways, dude, we took our oil split shots. Because... It's the least we can do. Oh, he... oh shoot. Yeah, here you go. Send the whiskey. Good yeah, man. sorry, man. I was just freaking hoarding it. But anyways, he's been 
following us on Twitter, and I've been making a lot of snarky comments about oil all day today on Twitter. So has oil been making snarky comments about oil today? I know, but it's just, it's literally just the West Texas Intermediate Index. Mm -hmm. That's the only one that's been tanking. So, well, I mean, okay, sorry. They've all been tanking, but yes. nothing has tanked 160% like the WTI has. Uh, one of them, I thought WTI at its worst hit 300%. 300% down. Uh, wait, was that what it was when it hit at 30, its worst, negative it was, 37? It, at its worst, it was at negative 300%. Okay, so now, okay, thank you. It's back down. It's only at negative 247. I, I, told you, I, I told you, man, this is such a great time for me to say I told you so. It went back up to 11 and a half or negative 11 and a half. Oh, it's it only went, negative 2.47 now, 247. Oh, really? Negative 250 right now. Oh my gosh, um, man. That, so negative 11 was so, that was so 30 minutes ago. It makes me think of dinosaurs. <laughs> Oh, it's Hansel. He's so hot right now. Sorry, Hansel. we're doing a Zoolander thing because we can't. I've been to the piano key necktie. What have you done? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. One look. One look. Okay, well, that's enough Zoolander for now, but... It dude, is. It's just, so, it's just, that's all I could think of earlier when I was looking at this. I was just like, oh, if this is the world of Hansel, that uh, oil to, uh, WTI oil today was uh, was definitely Zoolander. It's just I know, like, but oh, even not then, it's like, right now at all. I know, but even then, it's like, you know, he came back. He came back with Magnum. So, <laughs> does WTI come back with Magnum? No. No. God, no. <laughs> I'm just no, saying, I man. think it's, it's, so it's the interesting thing with, um, so for those of you who don't know, the futures, uh, the futures yeah, how does contract, that work? So like, when you see oil at negative $37. What does that what does that mean? Well, it doesn't necessarily matter if the contract's not about to expire. Yeah. When you see oil at negative 37, it doesn't mean that if you wanted to go out and buy a barrel of oil tomorrow, they'll pay you $37. Yeah, okay, so it's so it's negative and that means that the producer is paying someone to take this oil from them. So yeah. someone's going to take the oil from them. But the way that they're giving the oil out, it's not actually already in a barrel. It's going to be out of a tank into the back of a, uh, an oil tank so or truck. So will, will said customer have to take the oil and then do something with it to make it something that can be... Well, if there, if you have... If you've got oil storage capacity right now, today was a great fucking oh, day. Oh, yeah. You, um, Absolutely. You bought into this contract hard. Well, everybody was like... Everybody was tweeting out like, dude, if you have storage in your backyard, storage in your basement, buy some oil. Well, so the, so the thing on that is you'd have to actually... You'd also have to pay for the barrels and you'd have to right. seal the barrels and that's and that's a little problematic. Now, for those of you with a... Um, for those of you with a septic tank in the yard, <laughs> this might not be such a big issue because hopefully that's still keeping oh, everything geez. in. That's absolutely disgusting, um, but okay. Well, I mean, it still has to be refined later, so make it someone else's problem. When yeah. oil prices go up, have the one of the oil companies come in and pump out your septic yeah. tank for Which you. Which makes me wonder, dude, if someone's willing to go through that, like, obviously, it's still a pretty powerful geopolitical weapon, but if someone's willing to pay you $37 to get it off their hands, yeah. you know? At, at, the, at the worst, 37 Boy, and you know, and that was a barrel. That was $37 to take on hand 42 gallons. Yeah. Of oil. Yeah. So how? So, so how? How did? How did we get here? Obviously, we know price goes down when demand goes way down. So we know that demand has gone way down. But how? Did, how does it go negative? Uh, well, you have a coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, someone ate a bat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Sorry, that was Boy. a terrible joke. That was an awful joke. I tell you. Um. So, okay. So so futures con. So the idea of futures con. So commodities. So there's multiple types of securities that can be traded. And um, one of the securities is we have securities, which are stocks and bonds. And then we also have commodities, which are mainly traded in Chicago. Yeah. So commodities are actual things. So like shares or securities are- yeah, commo Commodities, for example, of commodity would be like- Eggs, wheat, milk, soy, wheat, corn, corn, actual yeah. 
things that have a harvest date. There is a physical yeah. product that will be taken ownership of at some yeah, exactly. point. So, but if you buy commodities, right? So you buy a thing of corn, whatever, a bushel of corn. Like when you buy it, when you buy a stock, you own a portion of a company. It's it's a piece of paper, yeah. right? So you know the inherent value is the future cash flows of that company. Yes, that percentage of that. A, right? a portion of the future. Right, a portion profits, of the future. Of the yeah. theoretical which, profits. Right, yeah, which we talked about last week. But if you buy a commodity, the producer of corn gives you a bushel of corn. Yes. It's not, well, it doesn't give you bought so it. Essentially, what I'm trying to say, is it's, not a, it's not a piece of paper. Or no, it's not a piece of paper. Something with, with, something with inherent value. No. It's something with, a, this is something with actual, with inherent tangible value. Yeah. yeah. It's not an idea of future free, uh, future cash flows. Correct. It's not, it's not a right to something. It right. is... It is actually something. It is actually something right. when I buy a commodity. Yeah. So like what you choose to do with it, so if you bought a bushel of corn, what you choose to do with it is completely different. So you can use Maybe the Maybe you have corn. a big family and there's going to be a barbecue. Yeah. Yes. Or you can produce a bunch of tortilla chips with corn and turn around and sell that and make money off of that, right? It doesn't matter what you do. But the thing is, a lot of people that buy commodities- So will, let's say we're the guy making chips. Right. Ideally, I'd like to be making chips next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that, right? So I have a business that depends on- whatever commodity as an input good. Yeah. And going to the market, I don't know, you've seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi, right? What? The documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi or Jiro Dreams of Sushi? I actually have not seen it. Okay, well, one, we're going to do that. Not right now, but no, we're going to do that. No, I have a lot of to do later today, but yeah. yeah no, 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 someday we're going to do that because it's 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 basically food porn. So in, this, in his, what they do is they show you that they go to the fish market uh-huh. every day and certain fish and octopus and other things get aged but other things are fresh for the day, fresh catch for the day. So with the corn chip company, and obviously we can cut, you know, no, fuck it. It's obviously with the corn chip company, you're making corn, you're making, you're trying to make so many bags a day. Uh-huh. And so you're trying, it, it's not economical for you to, it's not drunkenomical for you. Nice. Ah, nice it's catch. neither economical nor drunkenomical. Yes. Mainly um, drunkenomical, but yeah. To go out and go to um, the corn farmers every day or every week or every month, whatever it is. And then go to corn farmers in different parts of the world to get their corn yeah. so you can keep making your chips. It's e- a lot easier later to buy a portion of a future harvest. Well, because the way futures work, so... That's op- the creation of futures. Right, yeah. So, like, options are essentially... I'm talking about... So, derivatives. options... Derivatives are just the umbrella term for well, options, option, options and futures. Well, options are a... So, options is the option to buy. It's the shortening of option to buy. And so, when you have yeah. an option to buy or an option, you have the option to buy or not buy... At a set price, at a given yeah. price, and it's usually and those are usually dealt with securities. So, like mm-hmm. you know, you, you have calls and puts. You know, the option oh, yeah. to buy, the option to sell. When it comes to commodities, stuff like corn, stuff like oil, which this is how we're leading it back to oil. Futures are essentially a portion of that future production. Right. So it's your way of locking in a price. Exactly. Right? It's that it's, option to buy at a set price yeah. in the future. Essentially, some people want to call it hedging. Whatever. And it is. It is. It's totally hedging. But the point is, let's say I am running a I'm Goodyear or Michelin or whatever, right? I produce tires and I need oil to produce my tires. And let's say I can buy oil for $20 a barrel right now, which sounds like last week's logic. But anyways, so like, let's say oil stoops down to $20 a barrel and I'm you know, the CFO or whatever of some branch of Michelin, Michelin. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to lock in this $20 per barrel price of oil because that improves my margins so much when I produce tires. So what I could do is I could create a futures contract with oil production companies and say like, look, I want to buy 
oil from now on at this price. And if they agree to the contract, then they have to sell you oil at that, at price. that price. The crazy thing is the break-even point for oil, which we talked about episodes ago, is around $50 per barrel. In the United States. For shale oil. For shale for, oil. For, for fracked oil. Yeah. So for fracking. Fra- okay, yeah. But like the overall break-even is what? Like 45 maybe? I think, I think, well, in the United States, I think, I think shale's about 55 and I know. Oh, yeah, sales no, 55 and then, and then oil is just 50. Is it 50? I, I, think, it, it is. I think it is 50. I think I it's, about, it's about uh, $50. Yeah, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think that's what it is. Anyway, it's the kind of research we should be doing before an episode, but we but, also drink, so who cares? Yes, exactly. So basically, fact check us, okay? Please. We're drinking Irish whiskey and we just had oil spill shot. And that's not sitting. Yeah, it's. Still... I feel like a pelican. Well, <laughs> I feel like I feel like a <laughs> that is such a <laughs> I feel like a Gulf Coast pelican after Deepwater Horizon. After Deepwater Horizon. (laughs) I will say this. I'm at the point now where the Irish whiskey is tasting like an Irish whiskey now. Exactly. So I'm recovered from it. Here's the real problem. What are we going to do with the rest of the Goldschlager? Do we wait till school comes back in the fall and just hope some? I feel like the biggest concern should be what are we going to do with this blue curacao? You know, we can pour it down the drain and still come out ahead. It's kind of, it's it's kind of like oil. Blue right curacao now. is oil. It's, I yeah. will pay someone to take it away, and I will I will consider oh that a God. win. Blue yeah. curacao is the WTI as of four twenty 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 of the liquor world. Anyways, uh, let's get it back on topic. What? Uh, okay, so futures contract. So like, if I if I was a Michelin guy and I wanted to hedge oil, I can lock in the price of oil at twenty dollars a barrel, and when that future date comes. Whether I choose to buy it at twenty dollars a barrel is still kind of up to me. I still have to pay a premium. Yes. So the, a future contract is basically like to the old production company that I'm buying it from. I have to pay them a premium to have the right to buy the oil at twenty dollars a barrel. A lot of people right now, I'm guessing, are trying to hedge oil. They want to be paid eleven dollars per barrel, two fifty a barrel, or two fifty right now. Gosh, yeah, it's, if, it's, yeah, dude, work up to two fifty, man. We're making, we're, well, let's put we're this recovering, way. bro. There, Come on. The only way I can, the only reason that recovery exists is because you've got, well, obviously the market rebounds a little bit, but you've also got a lot of people who apparently have oil storage who have said, "You're gonna pay me thirty six dollars per barrel to take the barrel." fucking come on so they're gonna take it they're gonna take it because literally they're not only they're not just getting free oil they're getting paid to take oil and they get and oil doesn't go bad it doesn't no gasoline goes bad oil doesn't oil's just oil if you think about what oil is oil's dead uh plant and dead organic matter that's been sitting and compressing in the earth it's dead dinosaurs and dead rainforest that's what oil is Mm -hmm. it's it's basically graveyards they're just future oil plots um so we should put them all together and we should just keep pushing them down Thanks, Grandma. Yeah, keep your fingers. And we can, we can cut back in now. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, if you've got the time and the space and you've built oil tanks you yeah. can, or oil, yeah, um, yeah, you got that, you got that backyard septic that you're, you're confident in. Uh, so obviously, as we, as we say often with a trade or transaction, we don't advocate for a single trade. Neither do we advocate for actually filling your, um, if you intend to keep using it for plumbing purposes, do not put oil in your in your uh, yeah, in your yeah, septic. I, I, I now, if you can you know. seal it off, knock yourself out. Yeah. Again, up to you. You and you, you and Carl. The we're, not, we're not advocating for anything. But so um, you'll take it right now. Yeah. If I had like a place to store oil, I would absolutely have just been jumping for joy today and been just like gobbling yeah, up oil. Because essentially, what happened today was you know the, like this that shift left in demand that we were talking about drove these prices way down. Well, today is the moment of so, realization. So I think this this must have been the first major. Futures contract to come well, due. Well, because they're all coming. So it dipped as low as 37 and a half. 
per barrel, which basically means the number that you're seeing, the negative 37 and a half, I'm guessing that's the price of the, the WTI May 20 index. That was, that's the price of oil that's expiring. It's a contract that's expiring tomorrow, right? Yes. So my understanding is, and don't mean to don't mean to quote him out of context necessarily. Please. So my stepfather and I were talking about this earlier, as we discussed previously. Like I said, and I quote, weird question, when a future goes negative, does that suggest they are paying people to take possession of that commodity? To me, a simple question. His response, yeah. I think so. So Couching his bets. Also, we don't always know who my stepfather is. Um, but he says, I have not seen it before. Because he hasn't seen it before. He also didn't trade in future. He didn't trade in commodities. He was he was securities guy. He oh. said, I've not seen it before, but I remember some commodity guys having to take possession of potatoes when they were long on a contract. When, uh, when they were long a contract, uh, it got dumped on their land, if I remember right. Someone just should have been dumped potatoes on their property. Are you serious? <laughs> because they were long in the contract. And so I told him um, about five minutes after he responded, I said, I said, WTI oil is negative right now. And his response was, I see that. Um, he says, whoever has capacity to store oil will make a killing. They're going to get paid to take it and hold it. And then they're going to sell it later when the price goes up. This is brilliant. You're getting paid to take possession of something and you can still sell it in the future yeah. for money. The problem in the country is there's, there's two major issues in the US right now. No storage, which is the big problem. And a crazy well, amount of inventory. Actually, no, no. No demand. That's the big That's problem. That's the big problem. And the secondary problem is no storage. There's, Otherwise, this would be like a happy day for people. And the third problem, a crazy amount of inventory. A crazy, oh, absolutely. The supply is just ridiculous amount of... So let me try to break this down from the top, right? Let's start back when, uh, was it mid, around mid-March when the OPEC Plus meeting happened, Russia decided well, to kind uh, of give the, the U.S. So, the bird. So it starts before that. This starts with the U.S. becoming the large, becoming a net exporter of, of no, oil. I don't want to go, I don't want to back up that far. Okay. Saying, like, so most recently, it's, so it, then it starts with sanctions. Yeah, so it, start, it started with the sanctions because, you know, from my understanding, it was Russia's involvement with Venezuela, which pissed off the U.S., the U.S. sanctioned Russia. Which Venezuela is, I think, the biggest oil producer in South America. They have very large proven reserves. Or is it, oh, okay. They're, they're, it's so almost that's where a, it's so, almost the same thing. Well, not really, but almost. But they do produce a lot of oil. They do. That's how Hugo Chavez funded a lot of his oh, yeah. so, agenda. They yeah, became so, a one-horse market. They they became a rentier state. Oh yeah. I mean, their entire GDP is kind of like Saudi Arabia. It's oil driven. It's a rentier state. Yeah. So basically, they did something, or Russia and. Venezuela. I don't know exactly. I don't know the full details so, behind so that relationship. Let's put this way. The United States sanctioned Rosneft, which yeah, is the Russian state yeah, oil company. So they sanctioned Rosneft because... It doesn't matter why we did. It doesn't matter why, but from what it I've happened. heard, from what I've heard, it was, it was some response to, to their involvement with Venezuela and whatever. So they sanctioned Rosneft. Three days later, sometime in mid-March, there was an OPEC Plus meeting and everybody was like, okay, because of the coronavirus, there's a slowing demand for oil. Everybody needs to cut oil production. We need to have an aggregate production cut of 10 million barrels a day. And in order for this to work out, everybody's got to cut proportion. Well, everyone has to agree. Everybody has to agree to a 10 million BPD cut. Or if you don't want to cut, you have to agree to a sale price. Yeah. You make so, your mind up on yeah. it. But it, it literally does not work unless everybody agrees to something. Correct. Otherwise, it's, it's otherwise a, you have um, someone that undercuts everybody else and then all the other oil producing countries are screwed over. This is why oil is such a big geopolitical weapon is because everybody needs it. Every country needs it. And the private sector is going to look for the best deal in oil, no matter what. So at the OPEC plus meeting, Russia was like, you know what? Like, screw you guys. Like, we're not going to cut 
oil production because of this slowing demand, we'll be fine. Our oil is nationalized. We don't need to try to break even because it's national. Correct. They're, they're, it's, it's, well, it's not nationalized. It's, it's state, state owned, which is close yeah, enough. Yeah, right? there's there's state involvement, and it's so it's not a it's not inherently a rational actor. It it can afford to be irrational. It, it, yeah, so they don't have to behave rationally. Whereas, like, if Exxon Mobil is not breaking even, it's like okay, well, we need to freaking cut all of our variable costs. It's like. Right now, right? yeah. So, so yeah, they can't behave it well. ExxonMobil doesn't have to initially, but they have to eventually begin behaving rationally, exactly, or face that, bankruptcy. Which, which is essentially, yeah, that's essentially what I was trying to say. But so, so any, any company can be irrational for a period, but if the state is involved in your governance and in your ownership, in the way it is with Rosneft, being an irrational actor only works. Uh, there's a, there has to be a due date. There's a set date. There's a there's a date where you go until I destroy this comp this competitive company and gobble them up, and then prices have to go back up. Yeah. But it's essentially it's it's the idea of um it's it's kind of what was it Standard Oil would go into an right, area yeah. and would undercut everything even at a loss. They would lose money oh, God, to do yeah. it. That's an irrational act. But it has an end date because eventually the other company will go bankrupt. You gobble it up, and then your prices go back up, and well, you make your money Standard back. Standard Oil ended up controlling ninety percent of, and that's why we have the Sherman Antitrust Act. In the yeah, United exactly. States. But anyways, like so, I said, the uh, irrational action has to have an end date in a purely private sense. Yeah. So Russia's ir- irrational act, if you will, was trying to screw the U.S. oil production companies but over. But Rosneft, it wasn't Russia. It was Rosneft. Sorry, Rosneft. Yeah, right. Rosneft. They were trying to screw over the oil production companies here in the U.S., which eventually kind of tumble into the financial sector um well, today i mean and a few a few then. days this week but yeah essentially since then um and negotiations happened things went really really well or allegedly went pretty well everybody agreed to as we touched on a little bit last week everybody agreed to 9.7 9.7 million bpd mexico cut. we're looking at yes, you because 300,000 barrels a day could really, really help. But that BPD cut, it doesn't come into effect until May 1st. So, yeah. So, no, um, where we come from? So, the US sanctioned Rosneft over Venezuela issues. Russia was angry about it. We come to an OPEC meeting. They see the decrease in demand globally. They say, let's decrease production. Russia says, with double fingers blazing, Pashol Nahui. The Saudis take the bait and go, you want to fuck on me? So they rise the challenge and go, fine, you want to fuck on me? Fine. So not only does well, Saudi we'll Arabia cut, say we'll they're going to boot So Saudi, not only to say that we're not going to bump it, we're not, we're not going to cut it. Saudi Arabia says, we're going to crank it up and we're going to sell low. Let's fucking do this. That's what tanked the markets about three weeks ago. It was over a month ago, I think. We'll look back on the episode and at some point, Aaron will say the correct time because I've... Um, what, a, what a time to be alive. And by the way, this is a historical day. Because every day this because, month is 420. Yes, one every day this month is 420. But not two, even that shit. This is a historical day, man. Oil, this, like people will be talking about this We forever. haven't seen an oil future drop like this in 30 years. So long... But, nope, 86. 33 years, longer than I've been alive at this point. Yeah. And You're even old. then, I don't think we've ever seen it go negative. Of course we haven't seen it go negative, man. Okay, let's get to the bottom of this, all right? So 
Russia wants to play ball. Saudi Arabia agrees to play ball. The U.S. agrees to play ball, but yep. we can't play ball for well, very we're long. We're plus. So the reason Russia rose to that was because the sanctions were a little raw for them. And frankly, I understand that from a political standpoint. And, um, and we, we can't, afford, we, we can't we, afford it. because we were in a war situation leading up to that because we had the least amount of time to play ball. Well, we've also, we've talked a little bit historically about how U.S. oil production has been hugely funded on debt. And so next week, we're going to talk about the power of debt and why it's useful. Yeah. But uh, right now we've looked at so the U.S. oil firms, the shale, all of it. It's all debt powered. It's not. Um, that's why we, we. I was. I was kind of. It was three weeks ago where I actually did raise the flag and say like this debt's coming due next year, and these prices yeah, aren't sustainable. And we. So we saw. You know, last week we saw a firm. Yeah. Uh, well, but, I forget which firm it was, but they they filed they for been, Chapter Eleven. Been, oh yeah. Well, another big retail giant the other day filed for Chapter Eleven. Uh, I forget what. And it they're going to keep going out of the oil firm. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of bankruptcy protection and there's going to be a lot of uh it's it's going to be interesting to watch to be fair yeah i'm not invested in oil so i'm cold interesting is a very vague word to describe all this well to be fair we live in interesting times so there's a reason i use my word that, yeah. that specific let's word. Let's make it very as vague as we can before anyone tries to sue us. But well, I don't make I don't take a moral stand, positive or negative, on it. I just say. Yeah. But the thing is, the interesting thing is, oil has been run on debt for the last three years, right? They've been running. Oh on no, debt. they've been. Uh, last they've been running, okay, 15 but, years. I'm saying, but currently, they've been running on the debt for the, they built up like crazy for the, for the last, last decade. It's it's more than the last three. Okay, it's the last decade. Okay, fine. For the last decade. I don't know how much of the debt they paid back. I don't know how much they well, how much interest they still have. I, I, that's that's what I'm saying. The last well, so years, the big one. So here's the big part. There's two portions to debt that you really need to be concerned about at a given time. And you've got your um, bonds and you've got your notes. Notes are to banks or other firms, some financial institution lending to you. Now, it's in the interests of a lender. But banks can still hold oil bonds. They can too. They can hold any kind of script, any kind of commercial right? script. But so, as the lender, on like a note or any kind of anything like that it's in your interest to keep the entity alive yeah well you think about it this way so if you're a real estate investor and you buy a rental property or let's just say you're you're a bank it's better for me to be a um, if you're a bank and you you lent someone money to buy a house the last thing you want is that for that person to foreclose you want that person to make good money and not get fired and to pay you your money. What well, you actually, the ideal position of the bank is, is that they refinance every few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So then they get the lump sums back again, mm-hmm. over and over again. And that's that's the reason why there's fluctuating interest rates, whatever. Absolutely. Um, and, and, so, and so, and so, and, and obviously, and here's what, here's what I think one thing we will say is if you have the opportunity to refinance now at a lower permanent rate, absolutely do that at a lower fixed rate. Don't pay attention. No teaser rate. Never get an adjustable rate. If you have a, if if so, if your bank comes to you tomorrow and says, or if if the if you can go to your bank and say, hey, I'd like to blank at a lower fixed rate, or if maybe you have student loans, which I realize we're all in forbearance in the United States right now, but if you can go to a bank and say, hey, and go to a banker and say, hey, I'd like what kind of rate can you give me to consolidate my loans into a single lower cost, like you know, lower perhaps do that as long as it's a fixed rate. If you can get a lower fixed rate than you're currently paying. Absolutely, go and do that. It is in your best interest as well as the banks. Fun fact. Yeah. And so, so the ideal purpose of the uh, of the banks that are loaning money to these oil companies is that either they'll refinance or they can extend the debt. Right? They can, so it's the revenue, not necessarily mm-hmm. the, yeah. the principal, but the revenue that the principal generates is the important part. The problem happens to be is that on top of that, the rational act of the bank is well, we'll refinance this at a higher rate. I may never get my principal back. But then again, a billion dollars 
between now and a billion years from now is only a dollar a year. And, yeah. and that's assuming the, and, you don't time value all the all the. Well, you can't you can't time value a billion. You could, but but what I say a billion years from now, what I mean is between now and infinity, between now and the, the terminal the, value, the future. There's no there's no end date to time for business for science. There okay, is. So when it comes to when the WTI index was at negative thirty seven, who's buying oil at negative thirty seven dollars a barrel? Annual storage. But like, who but like who would that be? Would that be like <laughs> well, that, well, that no, be- no, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know who it is. It's obviously the demand went so far down that it went all the way. Oh that, no, demand. That, well, let's put, let's, put, let's put it this way: we're we're in um we're in April. We're about to go into May. I am counting on my hands, folks. I'm a little drunk. I also just don't. I haven't. Aside from shopping, I haven't left my house in three weeks. Help, dude! I brought you some irises. Help, man. I brought you some irises. No, you did, and you helped. I'm helping See, him. Aaron helped. Anyways, so so it's, um, it's, you know, I don't know. Here's the thing is in the U.S. right now, oil storage, there really isn't any. So if we're we're going to compare oil to like some other futures. What did you, hold on, before we go there, what did you call when it's an asset that's losing money? It's on your books. Oh, the reason reason why they're getting it. So in accounting, we call it a contra asset and everywhere else in the world. Contra asset. That's And everywhere else in the world, you call it a contra asset too because accountants are right. I'm an accountant. Nah. Yeah, so um, an no, it's a contra asset. So yeah, no, because Aaron had asked me earlier and um, in response to this question, my response I think was, no, I've never seen that. Yeah, because I, um, I was trying to say who in their right mind would pay money to produce oil and then pay you to take it off their hands. No one, no one. It's irrational. It's an irrational act. Exactly. But the reason why they're doing it is because, like I said, from the OPEC meetings, the 10 million or 9.7 million BPD cut doesn't apply until May 1st. So people are still producing 10 million or people are still producing the normal the, amount uh, of oil. The, the production the demand, cut isn't going to hit in time. And, and the, the demand, demand is, is already zero. just down. It's zero. It, it's, it's basically zero. zero. It's essentially zero because people are still getting gas or whatever, but not nearly. You know what? I think you asked me earlier today, are we going to see it break a dollar? Yeah. I think we might. Really? Because the, there is so much oil. Yeah. It's it's so crazy because the amount of inventory that they have on hand is absolutely astounding. The, the production hasn't been cut yet. And well, it hasn't been cut on a, on a national level, which is, which is what I'm trying to say. And it probably won't actually be put into place until May 1st, unless someone decides they want to speed up that production cut um but but they need to get everyone else to agree on it they need to get all the OPEC plus countries to agree on it so because the oil production companies already have so much inventory on hand and inventory is still coming in on hand they're running out of storage which is why it's becoming a contra asset is that what it's called it's contra asset so so the reason it's called that is because an asset when on your books boosts the value of your company but contra means against so against the asset so a contra asset means actually for some reason this thing we consider an asset is actually degrading the value of your company now generally speaking the only two accounts on a balance sheet that are considered contra assets are your allowance for doubtful accounts and um, your, oh, fuck, I'm an accountant. I'm fucking losing my yeah, mind. Even depreciation, depreciation isn't a contra asset. asset. No, actually depreciation is. It's oh. the other one. And, and, um, and oh, a, wow, and I I'm guessed sorry. it. Wow. Goddamn right. And the accumulated depreciation 
Holy I, cow. I, I guess it. And I'm that idiot. oil spill hurts. Yeah. So, okay. So the reason we call them contra assets is because they, they degrade the asset or I shouldn't say degrade. They count against the asset. Allowance for capital accounts goes against your accounts receivable. As to say, I have sold $1,000 on account or on credit. I only expect to collect $950 of that, which means I have $50 in a contra asset account saying, I sold it to them. It's great for revenue. I'm not entirely convinced they're going to pay. Eh. It's the smooth loss in earnings. So you want on your books to keep your earnings smooth. You don't want your earnings to look amazing and then suddenly the next the next period oh, like, tank. Yeah, okay. so it's like it's a allowing to, thing. Yeah, it's allowing to like say a like supply chain thing. thing. Absolutely. Right. Now yeah. the interesting thing with oil or with oil today specifically is that neither of these is an inventory. One is someone else is promising to pay you. And the other one is just you accepting the fact that something you own is losing value because you're using it. In the same Wait. way that like you sharpen a pencil, there's less pencil to Wait, use. So Oil's how, an how, inventory. I know, but so, so an inventory is an asset on a balance sheet. Yes, so it is. I, I'm trying to understand how this makes sense is like, if you're using it, how is it losing value? Well, so, so okay, so with um, well, you're not using the oil, so the oil is the inventory, and that's the funny thing. So, so, so the oil, exactly. So that's what I'm trying to say. Inventory is never. I have never in a lot of my reading, and I've done some. I have never found a contra asset in the inventory account. It do, it just doesn't make sense. No, inventory is something you sell sense. to generate revenue, and so you can't. Well, well, but this, this is, but okay, okay, we but can't sell something for for negative money. You're giving it away at that point, so it's not revenue. It's it's it's, it's a loss. But it's not a it's not an even further loss. Like it cogs the loss at right? the sale. But you're not paying someone to take this off your hands. You know what I mean? But that's what's going on. Well, with well, you're not paying someone to take it off your hands. That's true. They're paying you to take something that is a. No, greater- but I'm saying, but I'm saying, like if if you're if if you're giving it away, right? Because like if I own a retail store, let's say I sold suits, right? If I sold suits, sure. If I have too many suits, the difference between owning a store that sells suits versus owning an oil production company is drastic. Is because if I have if I have too many suits and there's a new style of suits that I want in my, you can recut your it, fabric. It, yeah, I can use my I can use up my old inventory, or I can just give away my old inventory. Right? Who doesn't want a free suit? Well, you could donate them to a homeless shelter, or I could donate them and the, take a tax write off and a tax benefit for exactly. that. Exactly. So like, okay, so okay, okay, let's, let's not get too that technical. All right, you. I know you're an accountant. I know oh. you love this. I know you love this stuff. Were you saying the J word? What? You do. There you go. <laughs> you do. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Adolf Hitler. Whoa. <laughs> there are still some of not, us. Not happy, I guess. I mean, he's dead. Yeah, no, fuck you, dude. Yeah. I was, say, I was just saying, like, one of my favorite days of the year as a Jew is to be alive because you know what? You're dead <laughs> and there are still Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off, Hitler. Yeah, he's dead, man. I don't think Tyler's going to be happy when this does go, when this goes like empty. Is, is it? How, how far down? How far down? I just made a pretty big pull and that was an accident. Well, but, whatever. This is. All right, uh, so. Okay, no, but uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about. Uh, Okay, so yeah, if I own if I own so a bunch of assets, the yeah. only the the amount of money I lose is the amount I paid to get the suit. Correct. That's it. That's the maximum dollar amount. That yeah, I can you lose. you lose. So you when you donate inventory, you lose the cost you paid to take it, or the cost you paid to buy, yeah, what, and, what then I, the, and then whatever cost maybe associated with the store. Yeah, so what I was coming around to was oh yeah, and there's a cost that. Uh, uh, not always but in a suit store you wouldn't in oil you will o- yeah exactly so what um, i was coming what i was coming around to is the difference between owning a, a retail store that sells suits versus an oil production company is the production hasn't stopped yet so 
you're constantly having to make room for new inventories mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's a new style of oil it's the same exact product that it was before so, so here's here's what i'll say so here's the difference but um, you need to get people to take this inventory off so your hands. there's to harken back to margin call from our first episode, mm -hmm. there's a fire sale. A fire sale is I will sell something. So the fire sale origin comes from one of two, and I'm not entirely convinced I believe either one of them, but it's one of the two, and neither makes a fantastic argument for why it's them. A fire sale is the argument that there is a fire next door that we think is going to spread to our building, and so we're just trying to sell every goddamn thing in it so we can make some money before our building burns down. That's one. That's one argument for the reason fire sale exists. And the other one, fire sale is the other one either. is that there was um, a fire nearby and the smoke has damaged our product, and so we're selling it with fire damage. So it's a fire sale. Also don't believe, don't believe that, that either. So a fire sale basically boils down to this: it's I will sell to you something of value substantially lower than its value but never below zero it's it eventually at the end of the fire sale if my building is burning down you have I'll, some I'll at least say like everyone a penny to go in and whatever you carry out's yours right i'm getting pennies on the dollar fine who cares wow that's a, a scene out of gangs in new york well it's a, it's a well it's a fire sale man yeah. what we saw today wasn't a fire sale what we saw today was literally uh to use the suit analogy it was um aaron's suits and ties held and up a banner that said if and, you and cufflinks, Aaron and cufflinks. suits ties and cufflinks Thank had you. a sale today and it wasn't just a sale it was essentially if you came in and got a suit you would get the suit and $44 37 <laughs> $37 $37 Aaron right. paid you to come in today and take a suit out of his store and that has never happened before in oil yeah. as far as well, I know but it, but, but it didn't start that way it started with me saying suits for $20 suits for $10 Suits for $5. Suits for $1.50. All right, fine. I'll pay you $2 to get a suit. Come in, we'll fit you, and you can leave with the suit. Okay, yeah. And it became, at the worst, he was like, uh, and finally he had two, and he was like, you know what? No. Thirty-seven is too much. I'll give you a thirty bucks. I'll give you a thirty bucks, but you're. If some people left the line, that's fine. But then by the end, now Aaron's only offering two forty-seven to take. Come a in. Suit. I'll give you two fifty, and you get to walk out with a suit, yes. tie, and so, cuffs. Because I'm trying to make room for new inventories. Obviously, my sweatshop in the back is producing way too many suits. Yeah, his cousins are very, too very bad. effective. Oh my! And there's more of them now. So, you know. <laughs> but no, yeah. No, it, it, so, and that, but that's the worst part is they're trying to make, make room for more oil. It's not even the suit. Like a suit can be like custom fitted to a person or can be like tailored to a person. Right. Yeah. They're just trying to make room, room for more crude oil, which why? Yeah. There's still no demand. And this is just because there's a contract come due tomorrow. Yeah. So I want to wrap it real quick. So tomorrow, what should happened? do. Yeah. So tomorrow, what happens? The contracts uh, are all due tomorrow. So what happens? It probably breaks even. There was a. It, it, so does it come back above zero? Probably. Probably. That okay. being said, everyone well, first, that bought in when it was negative is still happy. They're yeah. getting it. They're getting at the price you bought in at. It's not the price it ends at. It's exactly. the price you buy in at. Yeah. Also, you're not going to hear this episode until after tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Today's April. We're recording on April 20th right now. The 21st is Tuesday, which is when all the May contracts expire. You know, which is all the contracts that, you know, when you see negative $37.5 for it. that contract expiring tomorrow, like you said, it doesn't matter. It's, if you bought it in April well, 37. Well, so many people have tried to roll their contracts over to the to the next exactly. contract, so, to the next future. But if you look at the ICE index, right, which is the, which, which are, you know, English June, con are they English June contracts? Essentially, is what, the index, I think, is English June contracts. I don't know for sure. Um, let me double check. 
Okay, so I see Brent Crude. Yeah, so it says, I see Brent Crude, parenthesis, June, posh for 20. That, mm-hmm. That's, you know, I don't know what the intraday low was, but that was still pretty much above 20 all day. Uh, but it's because it's still got... I mean, look at the chart. It was... Yeah, like, so, so the issue day. is the closer to the end of your contract, the more volatile you're going to get. Because two yeah, months well, that's, is that's what it's like with options too. Yeah, because two months is still a long time, but you get to that like that last day before. Holy shit! Like if, if the market's absolutely, you know, if you're if you're still producing too goddamn much, and your contract just happens to expire right before an OPEC price cut, and right after the single largest demand decrease probably in modern history, you're fucked by far. Yeah, like you're you're absolutely shit out of luck yeah so because of how fast everything has happened i think that's part of the reason why that combined with how slowly opec plus has been reacting to it mm. all that is just getting priced in right now for a second there i thought this was an algo craze it wasn't to, I, today well, I, think, was... I, think, I think part of it was i I, I wish there was a circuit breaker for oil but there just isn't it's not it, it, you can't no. do it for a single commodity you just no, can't no we, we can't even do it for a sector it's yeah. for the it's for the whole it's market the whole thing, or none of the markets. The like so, uh, one sector doesn't get to hold up the rest of the sector. Yeah, I know. Even though a lot of sectors are depend are leaning on oil. Well, and and markets out. So yeah, what? Let's sign out. I gotta take a slash. Yes, yeah, so I'm at one fourteen right now. But anyways, so that's our outlook. Hopefully, you learned something about oil in this episode because or futures. Or futures, yeah. Because yeah. we used oil to be exciting, but futures. Yeah. It's true whether it's corn, oil, gold. Doesn't matter. Futures think CME, options think CBOE. That's all you got to do. <laughs> you know. And one day we will have an episode just on options. Um, and hopefully Pete and Jaren can come on. I don't know. Exactly. I, say that's, I thought we were going to have a guest for that one. Yeah. And it was me, it was me Pete. So yeah, yeah, I did that, Pete. Uh, that would be, be my goal. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we got to sign out because uh, we've talked for forever. We darn near polished off an entire bottle of Irish whiskey just sitting here. Not to mention we had an oil spill shot. Thanks to you, Max. Max. Um, we have an Aussie bloke, Tim. And then we have this freaking Max guy. One of them is going to kill us. All right. So here's what we'll do. Max. You're a rugby guy, right? Because I swear to God, if you're a cricketer, I'm out. Oh, man. It's all right, because Tim's Tim's Aussie rules, and I can understand that. Anyways, everybody, find us on Twitter. We got to go because James has to take a slash, and I got to do do some homework. All right, everybody, stay drunk and my friends. Cheers.